You know, uh, God's mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. God's grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. God's judgment is God giving you what you deserve. Now, there's mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. If you want judgment, have at it. But I'm just telling you, you won't like it. We plead for mercy and we plead for grace. And I thank God there's mercy and grace at the mercy seat of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's so good to be with you. Your pastor is so kind to invite me back and so good to see so many of you. And as I said in the first service, none of you have aged a bit. And then I confess that to the Lord as a lie. So, uh, But it is good to see you. Thank you for having us back. And, uh, you know, these are desperate days we're living in here in America, literally around the world. Desperate, desperate days. I heard a story about three ladies that were in a nursing home, and they were playing cards or dominoes. And as they were playing, a man walked by, and one of the ladies said, Say, aren't you new? And he said, Yes, I'm new, and kept walking. She said, Wait a minute, wait a minute, talk to us. He said, No, I'd rather not. And she said, oh, come on, don't be that way. We're family here. Just, just stop and talk a minute. He said, really, I, I, don't wanna, I really don't want to talk. And uh, the second lady said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, just, just tell us, where are you from? Who, you know, where you been? And he said, well, he said, if you keep pestering me, I'm just going to have to tell you. He said, this is my first day out of prison. I've been in prison 47 years. And the lady said, oh, my goodness, what were you in prison for? He said, I killed my wife. The third lady said, so you're single? <laughs> that proves some folks are more desperate than other folks are. <laughs> but we're in desperate days today. You know, we've tried elections. We've tried economics. We've tried education. We've tried everything under the sun. We need a miracle. This is what's going to change our nation, is a miracle. And this morning, I'm going to be preaching to you out of the Gospel of John in the ninth chapter. And the title of my message is, When Jesus Passes By, John chapter 9. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, or if you're an old geezer like me and you have a Bible, just turn in your Bible. But you ought to have your Bible open so that you can look down, especially as we get to the end of the message, so that you can see uh, the Word of God as well as here. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And you'll see where I got the, the message title. You know, I spent so much time doing this. It begins with, and as Jesus passed by. See, I tried to tie that into the verse. As a preacher, you try to do that occasionally. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. This tells us that the healing that we're about to see is creative. It is not remedial. This man is not going to be healed of something that happened to him afterwards. This is a creative act, a creative miracle. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither have this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There's no definite article there. It literally reads, I am light to the world, period. 
And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. One of the things that's interesting about the Gospel of John is you have to get all the way to the end of the Gospel of John before you know why it was written. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it says this, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Elsewhere in the Gospel of John, it says if all the things Jesus had done had been written down, all the books of the world could not contain it. You think of the creative acts, all of the things that he did. But there are certain things that are written down. There's seven great sign miracles in the Gospel of John. And these are written, these are here, that you may believe he is the Messiah, the one who will take away the sin of the world, the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, there are three words that are translated miracles in your Bible. And those three words or signs are you find in several places. They're different words, but they're all translated the same way. Uh, there's the word dunamis uh, in Acts chapter 8, verse 13. You hear the root of that word dynamic or dynamo or dynamite. It literally means power. Sometimes you'll find that word. There's the word teros. Usually this is a wonder in the stars, in the sky, some, some dramatic something happening and that can be a sign. But then there's the word Simeon, and that's the word that is used here for miracle. These are signature miracles. Now listen to me very carefully that I'm not misunderstood. The miracles that occur, the miracle we'll talk about this morning, the miracles that occur in the Bible happen just like the Bible said they happen. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. But within the miracle, there's a teaching going on. These are sign miracles. They signify something. They're showing something. And they're showing that what? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so within the miracle, there's more to the miracle than just a crippled man standing up and walking. There's more to the miracle than a blind eye being able to see. There's something within that miracle teaching us a deeper theological truth about who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our lives. And in this case... We're seeing a significant miracle here in John chapter 9. But as you see it, the blind man did see. But I'll try to bring to you the spiritual significance of this that actually eclipses the physical miracle. So this morning, I want you to see three things out of this passage. Number one, I want you to see a Savior who is sensitive. A Savior who is sensitive. Now, Jesus is sensitive, first of all, to the Heavenly Father. He says in John chapter 8, verse 29, I do always those things that please him. In other words, when Jesus came, Jesus came not only as our Savior, but our example, our role model of how we're to live our life. And Jesus lived his life in total obedience to the Father. And you and I are to live our, our life in total obedience to Jesus. Now, this is what will take place if you'll let it. If you will let Jesus Christ be to you what God the Father was to Jesus, Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ will be to you what he wants you to be. In other words, the example is Jesus trusted in the Father 
he, he relied upon the Father, and the Father granted those things in his life, those significant things in his life. And Christ now wants to be in that place as we follow him and listen to him. Because it says elsewhere in the scripture, Jesus said, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. The Pharisees said, we don't like the way you're talking. Jesus said, well, I'm just saying what I've heard. And I'm listening to the Father and just repeating what the Father has said. You know the problem with us? We're repeating what we heard, but we're listening to the wrong people. We're listening to the latest politician or the latest rock star or the latest sports or the latest businessman or the latest person, the latest talking head on television, and we think somehow they're going to give us the key to life. You're not going to get anything from them but propaganda based on who they are, where they are, and what they're trying to get you to believe. Only truth comes from Christ. Only truth comes from the Word of God. And so instead of listening to all this noise out there and palaver that's going on out there, we need to listen to what God says through His Word, by His Spirit, to our heart. And if we'll do that, guess what? We'll hear the truth. And then you're responsible for acting on the truth. Jesus said, I'm listening to my Father and I'm speaking those things that he says to me. So he was sensitive to the Heavenly Father, but he was also sensitive to the needs of those who are around him. Here we see he stops and entertains a conversation with a beggar. Now, beggars in biblical times were a big deal because they didn't have Social Security. They didn't have retirement plans. And so uh, people... Uh, that were in, infirmed in some way, they just, all they could do is beg. They had no, no backup plan, no economic help. And so beggars were everywhere. Several years ago, I had the privilege to go to China and went to a place uh, in Beijing called the Street of Beggars. Now, th this street is a major street. I mean, it's a boulevard. It's a divided area. And, and I was, I was, I'd never seen anything like it. There must have been ten or 15,000 beggars on this street. I mean, people who were crippled and infirm, just in some in horrible situations. And we went out there, and the missionary that had carried me out there, he said, now I want you to watch something. We went out about 10 o'clock at night. He said, now just watch. The police showed up. The police came down the street, and when they did, there were people who came out of the alleyways to get the beggars and get them off the street. They're their pimps. They're the people who are working those people, trying to make off of them, off of their infirmity, they're living. And, and the, the beggars are helpless. And what was, what was kind of, not funny, but I guess ironical, is the police went by, and as they go by, they put them back out. They just, they folded them out. Here comes the police, fold them right back in. And within 30 minutes, they were all right back where they were to, to begin with. Well, your heart just breaks for people. That's a whole life. Well, in biblical times, I'm sure it was that bad everywhere. And as Jesus is walking by, he sees a beggar. And he stops and picks out this particular beggar, this particular man. And I think part of the reason was Jesus, who knows everything, wanted to be sure the people knew this man. Because later in the conversation, you'll find out the people said, yeah, we know who this man is. This man's been that beggar who's been out here all this time. They knew this guy. And they knew that he had been blind from his birth. He had not been injured. He, he, had, he had had a, 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 a malady in, 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 when he was born that took his eyesight away. And so Jesus picks this man out 
Because remember, there's a sign within the miracle. There's a signature within the miracle. Is the man literally blind? Yes. But the man is also showing you, spiritually speaking, that we're just like him. We're born with a problem. We're spiritually blind when we're born. Jesus picks this man out because this man is a picture of utter helplessness. This man is a picture of somebody who needs help. He's blind. He's wasted, just like you and I. You know, it's interesting when you notice the disciples. What do the disciples do first? Verse 2, and his disciples asking him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Don't you love that? Don't we still do that? It's much easier to debate sin than it is to act on it. It's much easier to talk about it, where it came from, what's going on, who's responsible for it, than to simply meet the need of the one who's blind. Jesus said, quit asking these silly questions. He didn't send, what, in fact, what could this man do before he was born to be responsible for being blind? It wasn't a very intelligent thing to ask. Jesus said, forget all of that. That's not important. Let me tell you what is important. I must work the works of him who sent me. And you're about to see something take place. You're about to see a miracle. So we have a Savior who is sensitive, but I also want you to see here this sinner who is sightless. As I said, this affliction he has is not the result of an accident. He was born this way, and you and I are born with a problem. In fact, did you know a baby will lie before it can speak? Well, uh, babies do that. Uh, our kids never did, but, but your kids did. In, in Psalms 58, let me show you something if you've never seen this verse. Psalms 58, verse 3. Let me get to it. Psalms 58, verse... <clears throat> Just bear with me a bit. Psalms 58, verse 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. You know what a baby will do? These sweet babies will be... And did you notice they each had on a tie? That was interesting. The pastor even commented on that. They were dressed up dudes, I'm telling you. But you know what a baby will do? A baby, if it has a, a, a wet diaper, he'll cry, and he knows mom will come and change his diaper. And he's happy. If he's hungry, he'll cry. Mom will come and feed him. But you know what those little rascals will do? They'll start crying. They're not wet, and they're not hungry. They just want attention. They'll just cry, and you come, and oh, and then... They're lying. <laughs> They're lying. They, they won't look at me. Hey, 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 I'm right here. Don't we do the same thing? Hey, hey, look at me, preacher. Look at me. Hey, I'm right here. I'm somebody important. You need to come take care of me. We're born with a problem. It's called the big eye syndrome. And we're centered by nature, practice, choice, and habit. So this man comes into this world with a problem. You and I come into this world with a problem. You and I are sightless. We're sightless. Jesus said in John 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot what? See. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 14, their minds were blinded. 
Again, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this age hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. You know, we right now are wrestling with all sorts of problems internationally, and some of them are under the realm of religion. And there are people out there who are doing all sorts of atrocities in the name of their God. But folks, listen, you can't bluff those people. You can't threaten those people. Why? They really believe they're doing the will of God. They really believe it. Their minds have been blinded by the God of this age. They, 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 they do not see right and wrong anymore except through the prism of their faulty theology in a false God who is false from A to Z. Is there a God leading them? Yes, but he's the God of this age. He's not the Jehovah God of the Bible. He's not the one you and I know, but he has convinced people to do all these terrible things and the people are blinded by it. Just like this beggar is blind physically. He's a picture of you and I. So let's capitulate here, class, and go back over where we are. Number one, we see uh, a Savior who is sensitive. Number two, we see a sinner who is sightless. And let me just tell you, when you put those two together, get ready, we're about to see a miracle. Amen? <laughs> you take a sensitive Savior and a sightless sinner, get ready, God's about to do something absolutely amazing. Because, you see, the solution, the solution is simple. Very, very simple. Look, if you will, in verse 6. And when he had thus spoken, he spat. That's past tense class of spit. I just want you to know that before we go any further. Everybody understand that so far? He spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He spat. Lady back there went, ooh. He spat. Reverend Owens, it's been a while since you've been here. <laughs> we do not spit in the pulpit at Aloma Baptist Church. Well, big deal. In fact, you have just offended me. Well, come down here after the service and apologize to me and I'll forgive you. You shouldn't be spitting in the pulpit. I didn't spit in the pulpit. I went... He just did it again. I am not spitting. The Greek word spat is P-T-U. I'm just pronouncing it phonetically. Well, I don't care. I don't care if you're pronouncing it phonetically or what. I am offended and I don't like what's going on and you can't wait until the pastor gets back and I tell him who you are. Why do you think he did that? Jesus didn't have to spit. He didn't have to make clay. Jesus could say, you're healed. He could have waved his hand. I mean, he didn't have to do anything. But he spit. The son of the living God spit. And not only that, he got down there and worked it. 
brother Owens. You know, the gospel's offensive. When you tell a man who has a good education, a lot of money in the bank, a lot of good reputation, owns a business, well-respected in the community, leader, maybe even famous, that you're lost and you're going to spend an eternity in hell. That offends me. If you've never offended somebody in sharing the gospel, you haven't shared the gospel very much. People, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I'm not, I'm not like those people. Yes, you are. You're just like us. The, the one speaking right now is a sinner. Saved by grace, God, thank you. But a sinner. So don't look at me so spiritual like you don't know what I'm talking about. We're all sinners. But when you tell a person who's confident in, him own, in his own self that he needs to bow a knee to God and claim forgiveness and mercy and grace, many people are offended. That's why he did that. He, he, he spit and then took that. And what did he do with it? It gets worse. He puts it in the man's eyes. Now, what was the man's problem? His eyes. Have you ever been at the beach and the wind's blowing a little bit and you get one little teeny, 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 tiny little grain of sand in your eye? If you like me and wear contacts, you'll rededicate your life if you can get that contact lens out. <laughs> you tear up, you cry, and I mean, you're just a basket case until you get that little teeny, tiny. Jesus takes two handfuls and puts it in the guy's eyes. The gospel is not only offensive, it's irritating. It's irritating. What do you mean I have to, I have to pray to Jesus? Uh, and, and, and all this blood business. Huh? You better thank God for the blood. This blood religion. I, the, that's irritating to me when you people start talking about it. Listen on television. when Maybe during the Olympics, when one of these athletes, they say, uh, uh, tell us how you feel. Oh, praise God. Well, okay, let's, get, let's cut to a commercial now. We wouldn't... We're so afraid of giving him the honor and respect due him. And, and it'll irritate people when you start talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can talk about God all you want to. But you start talking about the person of Jesus Christ, people get very irritated with you because they're offended because the gospel is irritating and the gospel is offensive. That's why he did what he did. When you read this, did you ever stop to think, why is he doing all of this? He doesn't have to do that. He's, oh, oh, he's picturing it for us. No, he didn't have to do it that way. He didn't have to do it for the beggar. He did it for us that we might know that when you go out and start sharing your face and you get a little, little kickback, it's okay. It's okay because the gospel is offensive and the gospel Praise his name is irritating. But we're not finished. We're not finished. Notice what he tells the man to do. Verse 6 said, And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and anointed the eyes of the blind man. And he was healed immediately. No, he wasn't. Notice verse 7. And he said unto him, Jesus said, Go wash. 
nipso, first aorist, middle imperative, second person singular. Aren't you glad I got that all out? Go wash. Get that off your face. Go wash. It's, it's imperative. It's a command. You go wash. Now, if the beggar had said, well, I don't know what you've done to me, but this is the silliest thing I've ever heard of. I'm going home. He'd still be blind today. Jesus applied the solution to the pollution, and then he tells him, you go wash. What does the man do? He went his way, therefore, and washed. Washed. Inetsopto. First heiress, direct middle. Brother Owen, who cares? The first time he said, go wash. Go wash your face. The second time he told him, first heiress, direct middle. Go take a bath. You know what the guy does? He jumps in the pool. <laughs> None of this. He jumped in. Total obedience. Jesus said, go wash. You know what's killing us in our Christian life? Partial obedience. We just going to obey God up to a point, you know. I mean, Lord, I'm in pretty good shape with you. Total obedience. Somebody has said one of these days somebody's going to take the Bible and read it and believe it, and the rest of us are going to be ashamed of ourselves. He jumps in the pool. He acknowledges what Jesus said. He goes and washes, but he jumps in the pool. Total abandonment to what Christ has said. As I close, there's one other thing I want you to see out of this passage, and for a moment I want you to use your sanctified imagination, if you will. I'm not reading into Scripture when I say this, but picture what's happening. Jesus applies the... The, the mud to his eyes. And he tells him, go wash. The man's standing there. The Bible says the man went and jumped in the pool. That's the broad picture. Now let me ask you a question. Again, the Bible doesn't say this, you theologians, but use your common sense. How does the man get to the pool? He's blind. You think Jesus and the disciples said, watch this, watch him, watch. He's going to run into that wall over there. You know, he's blind. What, what, and that, look at that, look at that. And he's falling down the steps. Oh, my soul, this is a catastrophe. You think that's what happened? What happened? Somebody took him. Somebody's standing there. Jesus says, go wash in the, two, in the pool, which is by interpretation sent. And the blind man says, okay. And somebody, I believe, took his arm and said, come go with me. And I believe the blind man said, do, do, I, do I, I know you? No, no, we've never met. <laughs> uh, why are you helping me? Last week I was crippled and somebody helped me to the pool. I just thought I ought to help you. 
the church. That's the church. What is our job? It's helping the beggars get to the pool. It's helping those who can't see to see. That's why we're here. You think we're here so we can get together this morning and hear Glenn Owens preach? No. We're here to honor and glorify the God who stepped out of time and eternity into our hearts and lives to make a difference here and to take us to a place that will make a big difference in eternity. But while we're still here, our job is to find the beggars and help them to get to the pool. Help them to get to the place of obedience. Help them to get to the place of life eternal. Friends all around us are trying to find what the heart yearns for by sin undermined. <laughs> we have the secret. We know where it is found. Only true pleasure in Jesus abounds. Jesus is all this world needs today. But blindly men strive, for sin darkens their way. Oh, to pull back the thin curtain of night. One look at our Jesus, and all would be right. Go out this week and find a beggar. Go out this week and find somebody who's crippled. Go out this week and find somebody who can't see. And with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, tell them of the change that Jesus Christ has made in your life. And guess what? You're going to be leading them to the pool. That's why we're still here to give honor and glory to the one who befriended us while we were yet sinners, who came to live in us so that we might make a difference in this old sin-sick world that we live in today. When Jesus passes by, some good things happen. 